Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. We're talking Andrew Tarvin's TED Talk for the skill of humor. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz oh, All right, what up, AfterBuzz? It's your boy <laughs> DJ Jesse J, live in studio for Talking TED Talks. Today we're breaking down Andrew Tarvin's TED Talk for the skill of humor. Whoa. I got my homegirl Yasmin in the building. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's fun to be here today, isn't it? Is it fun or is it funny? It's funny, funny. <laughs> um, but today, yes, we are breaking down the skill of humor. Unfortunately, we don't have a speaker in studio, but we do have a couple of special guests. Yes, we do. Uh, before we introduce them, we're just going to introduce quickly the talk and, of course, the speaker, Andrew Tarwin. He um, is the world's first humor engineer. I've never heard of a humor engineer. Nope, and I wonder if our guests have either. <laughs> um, so he teaches all people on how to accomplish better results while having fun. He's written three best-selling books, and his TEDx talk had over four million views. Um, yeah, I was actually surprised because a lot of TED Talkers that come in here, they're always like, oh, we hit a million, we hit a million. I was like, wow. Yeah. I, I tried Googling him. I was like... Yeah, you know, yeah. Instagram like that. No, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's pretty fascinating as well because um, he's done over 500 talks uh, for Microsoft and uh, the, what was it? Pepsi. Yep. And then he, he left Procter & Gamble to go start this. I was like, well. He does everything funnier. Talk about it. He has some really interesting out. things. However, we have two really amazing Hilarious guests with us here in studio, Rob Belushi and Tim Stoltenberg. Hey, who are currently are playing footsies underneath the table. We were. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> they were loving how close they're sitting right now. Footsie is funny. It's close. Yeah. <laughs> we like footsie. Uh, thanks for having us. Well, thank you for being here. So both of you are at Second City. We are. Um, Tim, you started off <laughs> in Atlanta, your career in um, improv and theater. Yeah. And How'd then, you know that? Huh, well, I wonder. Stalker. Mm. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Um, and then you uh, was touring with uh, Second City in Chicago. That's how I met and this that's guy. how you two must have connected. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I want to know a little bit about that love story. Ooh, it was my first gig with Second City, actually. Really? That's yeah. huge. Uh huh. In Chicago, and we were uh, Rob and I uh, went outside to have a cigarette. We used to smoke at the time, and uh, Rob's uh, uh, girlfriend, now wife, uh, had just bought a monkey. Uh, really? Well, not a monkey. What was it? A kinkajou. <laughs> a what? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a Pokemon. Like she, she, yeah, <laughs> was like with her grandparents at some animal auction, and I, she texted me that. I thought it was a bit, but it wasn't a bit. <laughs> she really bought this thing, and we had like we lived in like an attic apartment for six hundred fifty dollars a month. It was <laughs> terrible, and now there's a twelve foot parrot cage with a essentially a lemur in it. 
Are you googling what it is? Yeah. <laughs> Jesse yeah. just it's not a funny story unless no, you it, live <laughs> it, and then these these animals are nocturnal. So yeah, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. So you don't sleep anymore, <laughs> you know. And it was it was a cute thing. But anyway, that's how we met. He was like, "Hey, man, good job," and I'm like, "My girlfriend just bought a monkey." <laughs> My life is over. He's nocturnal. He never goes to sleep. <laughs> we met, um, but we met at Second City, and we did a bunch of touring together, mm-hmm. and uh, had a great time, and just uh, clicked. And now you're both here in Hollywood. And we do a two-person show called Courtesy Shuttle that we toured at a comedy festival. Keep your hand there, man. <laughs> the whole twenty minutes. <laughs> so much right? love between you two. <laughs> now, I want to just quickly, like, you guys have been obviously around the country. It's like, what is humor like in different cities for you? Like, I know, like, doing stand-up in New York compared to L.A., it's a different tone. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. was that something that you learned? Like, how, what's kind of just your experience with that? Then? Like, to come to L.A. and now you guys are doing a two-man show. Do you guys ever change anything going to different... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Like states and stuff, like do they not understand certain like comedy? Because I know like even in like London, it's like their comedy is totally different from American comedy. Yeah. Um you Have know, you experienced that? Maybe yeah, you have. Yeah. No, oh, totally. Yeah. Like I don't know how to be regional about it. We don't he does stand up. I, I don't really do stand up. So, what we do is improvise. So it's different. The show is always different. Right. Um, but I can. I mean, room to room, the audience is always different. Yeah. You know, and definitely some, like in, in sometimes in the Midwest, they're a little hesitant to go with you to the dark side super quickly. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of like meter out a little bit of constructive, less psychotic. Mm-hmm. Laugh stuff before they're ready to go with you on on the on the the ride. But I think the first part of of our show is always it's kind of set up to where we interact with the audience and kind of get to know get them and let them know us. Okay, so that it can it allows them to feel a little more comfortable. But are there certain certain like topics or something that you kind of focus on more towards the beginning, and do you always kind of talk about it a little bit? Yeah, and also going back to regional, if you you think about those aspects too. Yeah, I think for us when we come out, we ask for a suggestion, and then usually we just want to talk to the audience. Like if we were coming in and meeting you guys for the first time, they're like, "Hey, man, how's it going? What's up? What would you do today?" You know, I went and did this. Oh, let's talk about that. And then Rob and I share some sort of story based on that. So we develop this like rapport with the audience that yeah. they're like, "Oh, these seem like nice gentlemen that I want to listen to for the next twenty thirty minutes." <laughs> but at, at, at minute seventeen, yeah. we always go deep into Iran. Mm. And, like, mm-hmm. we find that audiences love to laugh about the Iran-U.S. situation. God, it's endless. So it's just Is like... Is that true? No, no. Oh, okay. I, was like, I was like, wow, no. 17 minutes in. There's nothing funny about that. Like, comes yeah, yeah. Tehran. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, based on the skill of humor, Andrew's talk, I mean, there, and I think we should touch upon this a little bit later when he mentions about um, inappropriate jokes versus bad jokes. Yeah. So to know the difference there and when to bring those up. Yeah, and that's an interesting point, too. You know, like... Uh, 
I, especially in this day and age, it's tough. Like, yeah. there are definitely topics that are, like, off-limits that I think are... I don't know if they're off-limits. It's just... You know, I don't believe in censorship. I think you should be able to express ideas, but obviously there is consequences for expressing certain ideas, and especially if you're trying to be mean or insightful, those are different. Do you feel like it's because of social media that, like, that gets kind of put on the comedy world? Like, so, you know, they just on TV, they did the remake of The Jeffersons, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's funny, I was going back and watching it, and I'm like... A lot of this comedy is not acceptable today. Like, it's touching issues that it's like we skate around now. Yeah. I mean, where do you think that that fully stems from? Because if you're watching those shows back then, it's like everyone had a good heart about it. There was this joy. It, was, it had a family tie to it mm. to where I feel like those topics were acceptable to open the door. Uh, you know, but then you see things like, you know, a lot of comedians getting up on stage or doing things, jokes that now are like the Me Too mo movement and all this stuff. It's like, how do you guys kind of skate around those topics? Or do you even touch them? Like, I, I mean, you know, um, I think like the Jeffersons and, and um, All in the Family, I think one of the cool things about those shows at the time is that they, they were talking about things that other shows weren't talking mm-hmm. about and that people were seeing in their lives. So it was giving voice to uh, a side of America that was a little um, more contemporary and less clean. So for that reason, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, as far as... Uh, you know, this is, you talk to comics and people are like, here's what I'll say. I mean, I, comedy is very subjective. Mm-hmm. And I know what the, uh, Andrew. Tarvin. Tarvin. Okay, great. Andrew Tarvin was t- talking about um, comedy in, in this spectrum, predominantly in the workplace, mm-hmm. right? So, um, inappropriate jokes are different than bad jokes, right? There are a lot of bad jokes in the workplace. I don't think, right? I don't think there's any shortage of that. But um, you know, I'm not generally in the workplace. You know, my workplace is generally somewhere that is, is a bit more free, where people are expecting kind of boundary changing. That being said, uh, and I, th- I, 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 not to speak for. Tim, but the the type of work you know that we do at least as improvisers is if we're going to try to do something you know a character or a theme that is perhaps far from our you know very clearly white cisgendered male experience to not set it up as a joke of experience or to further like disempower disenfranchised voices if we're if we're going to try to play uh situations or characters of different uh, cultural or socioeconomic backgrounds to try to intone them Mm -hmm. with honest grounded wants honest grounded uh desires and motivations so that you know look i may fail at it and not be great but at least i'm not using those things as a laugh to limit them. So mm. in terms like that's actually good dope. In terms of me too, maybe there's not a lot I should be saying about that or or exploring about that other than maybe how I can help be right? just just listen. In yeah, exactly. Like that that would be actually a okay sketch. I think we just <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just gonna listen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna listen. Uh, 
I, I, un, I un, uh, unfolded all the chairs for you guys. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you two are all... Sorry, did you want to say something? I, I think that? going back to like understanding the audience is like... There is... A, 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 a comedian develops an ear that when you get in front of an audience and you start performing, your ear sort of turns to the audience is responding to. And if they're responding to more like you know, blue humor or dirty, then like, oh, I'll go down that path a little bit. But if, if they're hesitant to it, then I'll stay away from it. Or if they're not into political satire, then I'll stay away from that. And like, you sort of develop this ear for an audience. I mean, we both did cruise ships where we were performing on stage and, you know, performing in front of 500 Germans, it, they have a total <laughs> different sense of humor, <laughs> if they have one at all. So, you know, you, you're... They do. They do? Yes. It's very aggressive. I get it. I get that yeah. humor, yes. Yeah. It's very straightforward. It's yeah. just like their personality. Mm-hmm. But it's also very crude. Very crude. Mm. So some of the stuff that hits... They do like sexual jokes. So they we'll do? That. Yes. I gotta get back to Germany. But yeah, I think you develop in year for that, where you start like, listening to the audience. How, how many, you know... They oh, say, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Is that what you do? That's what I do, dude. You just call, you put your radar out and read the audience. I mean, dude, I'm listening to so many things when we're performing. <laughs> yeah? Not just your blah, 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 blah. <laughs> see, I'm just an emotional roller coaster, man. I stay in the moment. I can see it right You do now. the work, dude. More um, vapes, more avocados. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, like, look, we both teach improv, and, like, there's a million ways to teach improv, and they all are great, and they all are incorrect. Um, and I know what, what I definitely, you know, you may be able to speak this, is tell my students, is um, if you can be honest and authentic in some of your work, then the audience will go with you when you're more experimental in your other work. If you're only one thing... There's no surprise and there's no growth. And if, you know, so what we try to do is start off our show as ourselves. We tell real stories about not like our opinions on stuff, but just like, here's how I grew up. Here's how he grew up. This is funny. This is ironic. And then we put those into the show in other ways. We want to be vulnerable at the beginning to let them know that like, hey, we're going to we're going to laugh at ourselves Mm. and explore this. And we want them to come along and join us. I like it when people decide whether or not I'm funny mm. instead of me trying to tell them what to laugh at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means I have a whole show without any laughs. Mm-hmm. And you just have to be okay with that. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, so Andrew... No, no, don't be okay with you it. Never know. You go home <laughs> and lock yourself in. Um, so Andrew mentions about three steps that it takes in order to acquire the skill of being funny. Mm-hmm. So you two growing up, did you feel like you were funny? And, and why did you get into the space of improv and then being able to make people laugh or wanting to do that? I think I developed a sense of humor because of my family. That uh, both my, uh, my uh, parents are teachers in theater. Uh, teachers, and uh, so we grew up in a very theatrical household. Shout out Herb and Kathy. Herb and Kathy. And I have two older brothers, and they're both, uh, one is an engineer who designs sets for Broadways, another one's a high school drama teacher. So we're all in theatrical, and since I was the youngest, I think uh, I had the ability to always hit them with uh, the last line, that I got to be the third, and three's always funny. So, like, Dad would come out for some reason and be like, hey, like, you know, the lawnmower is not r- running. And then the oldest one would be the smart one. He'd be like, it's probably because of a leak or something. And then the middle child's the one that's aggressive. And he's like, I didn't do it. And then I got to be the funny one and be like, well, I guess it's out of shape, you know, and just be like, 
stupid. And then I learned that. I was like, oh, this is a way that I can communicate is like, through comedy. Because somebody was always speaking ahead of me. And I had the opportunity to wait and see it and be like, oh, no, I can, I can throw a joke in there or an idea. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. yeah. Make sure you, you stay on that mic, dude. Yeah? Yeah. I don't like leaning back because I'm too close to you. But the, but the thing, this is the, the medium is this. Huh? That's my grandpa, man. <laughs> I love to talk right into the what you call the bee's ass. Yeah, bee's ass. Bee's ass. Bumblebee's ass. <laughs> no, you're throwing pearls out there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I am funny. You know, um, I tried to. You are funny. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that's so all, you is this the whole setup? You're turking. I don't. Yeah, I mean, really, that's more than what I thought I would have after a lifetime pursuing it. I, I, but I don't know that I am funny. I mean, uh, f- mm, I know that. Um, if I'm out there having fun, you know, and engaging and connecting with somebody, oftentimes people laugh. And the more um, fun and free I can be with my scene partner or whoever I'm with, uh, the more people laugh. And um, if people, you know, funny is a result that you put on to something. It's a judgment, right? So um, I judge that as funny. Well, again, comedy is very subjective. Like, I'm not an expert in comedy by any means, you know. There are... TV writers and stand-ups that can talk about the rhythms and all that stuff. But I, I just know that if you share of yourself, you have an, a chance to impact somebody else. And if you can add some energy and fun to it, then it's a worthwhile thing. You know, the the what Andrew – there's so many parentheticals in his yeah. title. Yeah. Is it Drew or Andrew or – I think Andrew, it's right? Andrew, but he goes by Drew, Drew. like yeah. personally. But like no, the TED funny. Talk was like, yeah, just give me one name. Yeah, <laughs> give me one name. Um, His grandmother was hilarious. I gotta give him. Yes. <laughs> so um, one thing that he that he said that I responded to was, you know, making a connection with somebody, and I, I think that's the best thing you can do, and that's what I always try to do with the audience or my students or in an audition or when I'm on set or wherever I am, I'm trying to make a, a real connection, even when the given circumstances are created. And, um, does that ever feel exhausting though? You know, when- no, that what is ex- to me, what is exhausting is worrying if things are funny mm-hmm. or like what can be funny. But I know that, that that's not how everyone approaches it or, mm-hmm. or looks for it. I mean, I don't think we were taught like this is how this is the three things to do comedy. Like we weren't taught that. We were we were in in theater and acting and goofing around and discovered like oh this is comedy. This is how it how it feels and how it develops when you connect with people, make an idea connection. Play. Yeah, yeah, play. Play with me more. Like, oh, that's Honestly, play. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Did Flirt. you guys ever go through that insecurity of like uh, how yesterday? Did you, how did you get over that? Like as the far what as, like, if question. Yeah, and like feeling comfortable with like never. you never get sharing over. your perspective. I don't think you ever get over that as a comedian. You're always like, is 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 this going to be accepted? Are they are they not going to laugh? Am I doing something wrong? Maybe I'm not funny. Like I think that is something that as performers and comedians you have constantly, mm-hmm. and the battle is to know like that's just the demons of the negative in you. That is there, and then you have to get around that. And by doing that, that is courageous and brave. And then getting up on stage and sharing your idea is the same thing, regardless of what the outcome is. Follow-up question. Yes. Rob, Do you have some front. of the same demons, and have you named them? Have I named my demons? <laughs> like, do you have a demon like, oh, Brad's back. Uh, Brad the demon. Here comes Stacy. <laughs> Stacy, she's a fun demon. You should have gone to grad school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all the time. Me too. What's, what's yours names? Mine? Do you have any names? Yes. 
Oh, Brian. <laughs> They're all Brian. <laughs> Brian Dylan. Brian. <laughs> Dylan. Brian with a Y. Uh, Brian with a Y. <laughs> Brian with an I. Brian with two I's. What's wrong with a Y? I, uh, what? What's wrong with a Y? Yeah. Nothing. No, it's just you. That's how you differentiate, like the kind of dour Brian demon, mm-hmm. and then fun Brian because it's B R Y A. I don't well, know. There we go. <laughs> um, what's the question? Do we ever doubt ourselves? <laughs> In this moment, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's part I think of pursuing anything creative is human. So yeah, or anything at all. You know, failure is. is I think that's something Drew Tarver also says. Tarvin, mm-hmm. Drew Tarver is on DT. What? Hmm? DT. DT. Drew Tarver is a groundling. That's why I keep get, getting. He's on you the can, other. You keep switching. Uh, so let's just call him DT. 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 <laughs> A.T. A.T.? Drew Tarver is a very funny guy who's on a Comedy Central show right now. And <laughs> he's a groundling. He's, he's really funny. But, all right, so it's Tarvin. Yeah, so what does he talk about? He talks about, um, oh, the, he says, uh, he was talking about repeating things, right? Or yes. Rehearsing, performing, and repeating. Practice, perform, repeat. So uh, what I took from that was um, failure is part of the process, you know, and... <clears throat> You, if you, if you're constantly afraid of doing something wrong, you are not uh, engaged in what is happening right mm-hmm. now. You're not fully realizing the moment or whatever. You're just kind of, and, and you see it all the time with performers. They're just like afraid and yeah. stiff and cold, and you know, watching to see if their jokes or what or their choices are hitting. So they're outside looking in on themselves and mm-hmm. what they're doing and you have to you've got to be okay with mm. being bad yeah yeah and you can tell when somebody's in their mind and not yeah. being present well, in their bodies so. yeah i'm curious to know because both of you have been in some pretty epic commercials and shows um so for instance yourself you've been for the gatorade uh, it was like a 20-ad placement that was all improvised opposite NFL players. And mm-hmm. how was that? Because if it was improvised, you know, essentially, did that mean you had no script and you just had to, like... Or you had maybe some kind of guidance, but you just had to make it your own. And and how do you feel like... I know this might not tie so much into comedy, but it is still to do with being present and bringing out some form of energy and emotion amongst the people and audiences who watch you. Um... Um, so, how, how, like, how 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 were you able to do those twenty ad placements? Great. So, um, there was for those they um, there was a bit of a script. It was kind of like uh, three or four lines, but then it was kind of a hidden camera, you know, deal, um, and how how did I do it? I mean, I just built off whatever happened and tried to have a point of view about it. And mm-hmm. my point of view was, you know, those, those, all those athletes are really fun <clears throat> and, and just Did make they it, just play along with it as well. Yeah. Make them look good. You know, Peyton Manning was actually, it was pr- pretty cool to work with him because he was very much a, uh, like a leader in all things. You know, he was kind of delegating, um, credit, Mm-hmm. You know, like all, you know, everyone comes out. Oh, Peyton, you're amazing. You're so funny. He's like, oh, it's all Rob, or it's all those yeah. people, or like. But see, there's something that I just picked up from what you've just said is make them feel good. Yeah, something that you did there on set as well. 
Yeah. And I guess that's also very important to humor. Um, and then to use Tim, because you've been on commercials like AT&T, T-Mobile, um, in Ohio, you're notoriously known for your Ohio lottery. <laughs> Widely known. Widely known. <laughs> um, did, you know, when we watch commercials sometimes, there's a little funny tagline to it. And so do you kind of play with that or how do you come up with things? And sometimes do you come up with something and you're in the moment, you're like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it starts with the, the audition when you go in and, and you get the, the, the spot and you meet the, the director and then you start working in. You want to be in the same vibe? Like, oh, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for this energy, this sort of idea, this tone to what the character is and to what the spot is is very important. And then if you get the job and when you're on set, you already have that built in where you're like, we're both on the same level of what it is, so... Let me try a couple different things. And it's really great when you have people on set who are like, oh, that's great, let's try this. Or like, ah, more this way, and gives you direction. And then it's a collaboration of that mm-hmm. coming together. We each improvise somewhat to get to the point. His number two was, he said, explore and heighten. So to build off of that, mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you guys, it, it, I mean, obviously improv and stand-up is very different in its own aspects. But like, do you notice like in everyday life how these things have kind of, Ruined me? <laughs> I guess <you> can. Yeah. <laughs> or it just kind of built across like b- making bonds. Like, I mean, he talked about how comedy can diffuse conflict, build trust, you know, help communicate messages. Like, has this helped your life uh, in a way? Like, have you used your tools? Do you use your tools in real life? Because a lot of people, you know, they meet a lot of comedians and it's like, well, he's not funny in real life or he's very serious or he's very, like, the, you know, but then they use the stage as an outlet. And then there's some comedians or improv people where it's like they're literally the same person on and mm-hmm. off stage. Like, how do you guys kind of build your material? Mm. Um, gosh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wish I had a really cool answer to that. I think... Um, I try to, I'm definitely someone who tries to, like, bring who I am where wherever that goes. And sometimes that really backfires because I'm not, like, I'm not, um... So you're not, like, during the day, like, watching, oh, this will be a good bit. Like, you're kind of absorbing life and going through life. And then as it's time for the show, you bring, well, you know, today I saw this and you're working almost, like, literally improving and working yes. on the joke live. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's very much... Thank you for helping me with that. Yeah. I think you develop an eye, an awareness of as you go through the day of like, oh, that's an interesting experience, or like that was a weird interaction, or like mm-hmm. that made me really think, and like using that as a, like it's a, a weird relationship. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Like that sort of thing to like talk about and explore that. That's heightening exploring to me. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, I think but, if you're curious, like if you're a curious person about people, yeah. I think you can understand like what's what's great about people and also what gets in their way and reflect that back on yourself and ultimately you have to have a lens of non-judgment in that sense you're just really curious and seeing and dissecting yeah even the darkest i mean i'm pretty like yes it's important (laughs) not to judge but it's also important to have i think uh opinions an an opinion Mm -hmm. an opinion yeah and that's what i you know i tell people is like great What's your opinion of that? 
You know, yeah. let let's see your emotion of that come out and and your opinion of what just happened. To you. That goes back to Andrew's first step about share your perspective, your point of view, your, right? Yeah. 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 With the yeah. two of you guys, is the one of you a little bit more morally conscious? Where <laughs> ever or is yeah. it balanced out, or does someone did go to the dark side? <laughs> like, yeah, I think what's really important is something <laughs> as as a comedian is when you find somebody that balances yeah. you. And I think that's what makes Rob and I special, is that we each have our strengths and our weaknesses, but those together form a great show. Mm-hmm. And as something you're always, as a, as a performer and comedian and, and performing for years, like you're, you're looking for that connection to be like, oh, this is what's going to complete me for this show. And it's rare when you find people like that. And I think it's really important to find, if you want to perform with people, to find that connection. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting, because oh, I've yes. never heard that... Like I've had weaknesses. What what are the weaknesses that you fill in for me? Uh, let me get my list out real quick. <laughs> Tim is right. Breaking out. news. <laughs> I find like I enjoy improvising because uh, I'm not really in control, and I do feel like something that I that I do with Tim is going to be better than something I do on my own. But that is not how stand ups operate generally. Mm-hmm. You know they. They have a different take on how to deliver their point of view and goods, and and that's great, and that works for them. It doesn't really work for me, so I definitely like to collaborate, and Tim is great. He can take a small... Do you hear that? It's my hearing aid. <laughs> okay, I'm cool. Just kidding. Yeah. Is this a matinee performance in Glencoe, Illinois? Um, That's the tumbleweed in the studio. <laughs> he can take a small, a small moment and really explore it and make it so fun without any dialogue at all. And people respond to it because they relate very much, and it's not, and he invites people in as opposed to pushing his energy at them, mm. which. I think is great. Now, was the timing? Because timing is huge in comedy. So, like, was that something that just kind of naturally? Is that part of what you're saying with the balance? It just kind of worked between the two of you guys, or like, is that something yeah. that you guys work at? I think what's more important than working at that is working on the relationship you have with yeah. your your performer friend of like performer friend. I don't know how to phrase that. We call each other partners, husbands. like hanging out outside of outside of the actual show, yeah. and like just genuinely knowing, yeah. like how you said his parents' name. Like you just genuinely know you can step in for each other. But understanding of. people, like I understand Rob's vulnerability, he understands mine and my my issues and his issues, so we can talk about that, and that creates that a, a, a connection of trust. So when we step on stage together, like we have this like uh, unspoken trust with each other, so that whatever comes out. We, we're sort of operating on another uh, sense with each other to like help or sense or uh, set something up or uh, uh, add to that. That mm-hmm. it takes more than just understanding comedy. You have to understand a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's with any type of relationship that you forge. Yeah. So it's with friends. Like you feel that instant connection yes. when you kind of you get a vibe. Like you get a sense. You know how much you can be open with them versus. When you don't feel that way. And that, and then after a while, you have to be able to talk about that with somebody. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, hey, this is bothering me, or this is not, or this is really what my mind is. like." And that will only make you better. I think it goes the same in the workspace as well. Yes. yes. Ooh, tell me about the workspace. What is this well, workspace? Actually, like, I don't, I've never offered, like, he was talking, you know, the, the DT. Wait. DT? Well, we wanted to call him AT. AT, DT. He's got more confusing. He talks about the word. I'm always just like, gosh, 
How did? How do you survive? I have no idea. I mean, my gosh. Can I just say something about that you said about having impact on your students? There's one thing that. So I, I used to go to Second City, and I've studied with both of them. That's how I know you two. Just for the audience. Okay, so improv um, something right now. Improv. Wait, I'm just kidding. I just knew you. <laughs> We've been doing it all this time. I thought off script right now. Quick, improvise. Your blood is boiling. Your skin's on fire. My ears are actually boiling right now. Um, so there's something that you would always say sometimes, and I think it was when you would catch a student in a moment of uncertainty or maybe something, and you would say like, "Are we cool?" <laughs> And that always <laughs> pops into my head when I feel at work, when I'm sensing something, and I just want to blurt it out. Are we cool? Why don't you? Yeah, but it, yeah, you should. But it like it hasn't got to that stage. It totally intensifies the awkwardness. <laughs> yeah. It's like, are we cool, man? And they're like, uh, fight. <laughs> what's your deal? What's wrong? Are we having a moment? It's also kind of a test for people, like if they. Get all weird. I'm kind of like, oh, this person sucks. You know what I mean? But if they're like, yeah, man, or like, no, we're not cool. You know, if they don't get all weird, then I'm like, okay, great, we are cool. But if uh, have you ever had a serious response to that? Oh yeah, yeah. Really? like all the air sucks out of the room. I'm like what? Uh, what do you mean are we cool? I'm like, I'm just kidding. We're fine. We're, we're this is improv class. Like there isn't anything more stupid you could be doing with your time. The stakes yeah. couldn't be lower. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, oh, that's cool. He had this one. <laughs> you were fun in class. You were a great, great person. Oh, thank you, thank you, you. Yes, you were good too. You, you guys, I enjoyed it. Yeah, you. you mm, good attitude. Shook me out there. Yeah. <laughs> Get me out of my head. Sometimes. What was what was the most surprising thing you learned about yourself taking that class? Oh, geez. Um, whew, there was so much. I mean, for one, I didn't think I could ever karaoke in front of a group of people that I didn't know. Wow. And like pick up a random song, and and that's one of the tasks that you do. Have you ever karaoke in life before? <laughs> yeah, and and the first time I did it at Second City, I hadn't done it since I was nine years old, wow. because people started running out of the karaoke bar, so I got really traumatized. So that's why I, that's one of the things I from I a nine year old. Yeah, wow. Well, Germany. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, well, do you remember <laughs> the, in Spain? Do you remember the song you were singing? Yeah. Uh, probably a Britney Spears tune because yeah. I loved Britney Spears. Every time you hear that, like you just start crying a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually one of my favorites. <laughs> well, what was the song you sang at uh, Second City? Oh, God. Yeah, we didn't do karaoke. No, no. but the music director. Oh, oh yeah. The music okay, director. that might have been it. Yeah. Hmm. God, there were so many tasks that we did. I know. We really... I liked. Okay, so the yeah, I, I would liked... make them like clean the room, mm-hmm. clean my car, organize my <laughs> receipts. Yeah, like his shoes. Like, these are these are receipts. I need business receipts divided by. I have to get down on my knees and personal. bow every time he would come into the room. Both of them. That is not true. Um, no, <laughs> that is not true. So I liked the four when the four of us were standing in different positions, and then one of us had a different character. Yeah. And it's a short form game called um, Four Squares, Switch Left, Switch Right. I think so, yeah. 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 That's so a fun one. Being in the moment, ultimately, of course. And look how you've blossomed. I know. It's this place here. Amen. <laughs> All right, so let's get into our Teddy's talk. Teddies. So every week we ask a bunch of questions mm. related to the TED talk. Obviously, this week was humor, and we wanted to see how funny people thought they were. Yeah. So what was our first one? So our first one was, do you think you're funny? 
And 79% said yes. They actually do think they're funny. What do you, do you feel like you're funny? Um, yeah, I feel like I'm funny. I okay. feel like, uh, uh, I mean, again, it's subjective. <laughs> That's true. Because the way my grandmother thinks I'm funny versus the way my friends think I'm funny, it's like... Yep. Well, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I do the things that make me laugh that I think are funny, but, you know, someone in that audience is going to be horrified by that. <laughs> I never. And that's their loss. Amen. <laughs> um, next up, we have Do You Practice Being Funny? And 27% said yes, versus 73% said no. Which is so interesting to me, too, mm. because it's like. Okay, I do stand up, so I practice my sets. Yes. Yes. I didn't know this. I don't know why you didn't know that. But yeah, so that's why for me it's like, okay, yes, but like it is interesting to me for someone who doesn't do stand up, like, are you at home? Practicing? How do you? What are you practicing for? Like, I'm gonna go in tomorrow and I'm gonna rip them. Like, I don't know. I got some real zingers. Yeah. Like they'll care in an HR. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, then you look at like someone like. Dwight from The Office, like, he probably is the type of person that would do that, you know? Like, Hmm. I don't know. So that was an interesting number for me. Do you guys practice being funny? Yeah, it's really hard. You you can really (laughs) Yeah, because you're writing a story to yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, and then you don't know if it's going to work until you go, You like you said, you might think it's fucking hilarious, and then it's like, oh, shit. This doesn't make any sense at all. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think the best way to practice is just to try to be playful with other people, mm-hmm. you know. And some people think that that's not serious or that's immature, and those people are right. But those people aren't very fun. <laughs> and if you're fun, funny will happen. In, like, I think in your whatever, your job or this foreign land called 9 to 5 yeah. workplace <laughs> that... Is stable. Uh, Apparently, only she lives in. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, yes. What's going on now? We work ninety thousand hours in our lives, according to ATDT. Um, So yeah, we might as well make it fun, right? Um, Oh my god! If it's not fun, what are you doing? Yeah, but some people don't think that fun is a right or a goal, or that you can be financially stable of. Enjoying what you actually Although, wait, going back to what um, ATBT, which is such a long name now, (laughs) didn't he say, (laughs) for me it's a tongue twister, ATT, I can't say it too fast. Um, Last night I took some (laughs) ADT. That's actually what it is. Yes. Hey, uh, all about the skill of humor. Yeah. Oh, oh. I'm Brian Morris from ADT. Just checking on your system. WTF. BTK worked for ADT just to get everything really macabre. There you go. So, supposedly, mm. you do. Prolific serial killer <laughs> from Olathe, Kansas. 90,000 hours, though. Like, you so, do, you imagine earn, if... You earn more. You're more attractive. You obviously more playful. I mean, yeah. Like they say, yeah, you're in a better position in life. If you're funny. If you're funny. Well, I th- again, and I bring it back to, like, if you, are only, if you are only wanting to do things correctly, successfully, right, that is a type of person. Mm-hmm. And that person it's isn't a, a lot of fun. And they cannot come to any they, of my shows. They can be fun, <laughs> but, like, if, you know, the more you can, like, break s- that, secede s- from the idea that uh, of perfection and, like, slip more into 
authentic, you know, and he said it too, authenticity, mm-hmm. humanity, you, you are a more fun person and therefore I think generally going to be a lot funnier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you, so our next question was, do you, do you buy you, that? Are yeah. we cool? <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah, so you had that really moment just now. <laughs> you felt that. It took me about three minutes to, uh, to not reach over and tweak it. Oh! I have very <laughs> tiny dime-sized cool. nipples, so if you can get it, good. Wait, whoa. Tim gets it. Got it. Good. Should I just remove myself right now? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> do you use humor as a means to an end? What does that mean? So, some like he was mentioning in his talk about... Mind control. Wait, is that now what we're talking about? <laughs> like, I use it for, like, arguments. Like, I've never I've the, been in a fight atmosphere. before because I can usually out-talk myself or make them laugh to a survival. point. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's great. Survival. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, like, if when the zombie you're five apocalypse seven, comes, yeah. it may yeah. not work, but... Look at this zombie here. <laughs> Where'd you shop? <laughs> Where'd you get that shirt that <laughs> don't <stir? laughs> He did. He got it. He got it off of. Um, there was someone who said, "Yeah, to keep a great vibe, just as you do." But then there was another one, which I don't know if this is going to create some. This is still discussion. about the end. Ends to me. Yeah. Uh, men use it for you know what. Uh, no, I don't. Why didn't you tell us? <laughs> I'm for what? Sex, fur? orgy. No. Like where are we going? That's. I, that was the. You answer can say that of, word on here. Yeah. Orgy? I mean. Anything. If I'm going to speak on behalf of... I can't speak on behalf of women. I obviously know it was a female answer, Have you ever used comedy to get some dick? See, I have not. But Mm -hmm. I know that I have been reciprocated on it. Did it work? I I realize it. Like, I see it. So it worked. It can work. You use comedy to to get a dude? No, I don't. No, no, no. As in... I could receive the comedy coming at me to be attracted uh, and to go that way. (laughs) If you go into a uh, room full of stand-ups, we'll talk about how they don't get laid ever. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they're using it wrong. I I think people who, like, you can use charm. uh, Comedy is, you know, a type of, if you're self-effacing, that's, fun and funny I think that can be attractive in a dating scenario I mean that's how Tim and I hooked up hmm? <laughs> he was very charming he swept me off my feet he was like let's let's improvise and I was like oh okay <laughs> so now we're in Kansas City doing shows yeah it's like Did you take, you take me to the best you? places <laughs> Kansas City ooh. Um, yeah that monkey died oh, oh. I'm kidding we sold, <laughs> we sold it for fur are you cool? <laughs> I'm Are starting you cool? when I start to hit like a, a boundary. I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. When you start to hit it. Uh, the final one was, "Do you wish you could be funnier?" Which, of course, um, most of people said yes, sixty-seven percent and thirty-three percent no. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at that. So, we, like, who's like, no, I don't want to be. No. I actually, love there are myself. some people who no, are no, like, no, yeah, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I think, like, that, that was a little Teddy's mind. talk right yeah. there. All right. Well, so, so before we leave, we uh-huh. use these things tangible tools. Okay. So what's some advice that you guys would give to somebody who... Practical advice. Practical advice, who are in their world of the nine to five mm. and want to somehow bring that aspect of comedy to the workplace like how how can i if i don't or in a relationship or in a relationship yeah like is is that something that you have advice for somebody to 
these people like who say that they practice being funny that you could <laughs> give them a tip to just start doing? Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to teach someone to be funny. I don't. Like, I, you can follow these three rules or the guidelines to improv, but that's not guaranteed you're going to be funny. Like Rob was saying earlier, humor is a result of something. Yeah. My advice is always be honest. Talk yeah. about how you're feeling. Connect with somebody. How can I connect with you to have a genuine connection? Hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, that's what we keep saying is like, yeah. stop hiding who you are. Yeah. Uh, you're a mess. Everyone's a mess. Like, don't be so... Share that. And yeah, just being vulnerable and being able to love about yourself, about your vulnerability as well. Totally. People Absolutely. relate to it. I mean, yeah. look, there's a healthy boundary in all things. Like, yeah. Oh, sure. But... <laughs> I don't need a stream of, you know, like... Yeah, I think people have the, the mistake they take Sexual classes. experiences. What? 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, don't share that. No, no. It's like, hey, I'm trying to finish up this. Well, no, continue now. What is it? <laughs> finish You're, what? Uh-huh. I'm just visualizing, like... It's a means to an end. Some, like, you know, like the older... The 70-year-old woman that is the bank teller that I love to go to. Like, imagine someone leaning over her being like, Trina, you know what I did last night? I just want to be honest and tell you, like, I met some crazy people and we did some nutty things and she's, you know, just, like, like trying to... Is that what your mind works? But you'd be surprised. A lot of nursing homes... I've walked into some nursing homes and heard them talk about some crazy... My grandmother, when she was in the nursing home, I was like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I have crazy people coming up to me in stores yeah. and that only happens to me here in America where they're just like telling me about their entire life story no because they're so open yeah so it's, open. it's a connection yeah you want to tell <laughs> that's you that's, amazing yeah that's how you make someone laugh is you connect with them it's so true. now you guys have a show here in LA next Tuesday we yes. do at the second city in Hollywood it's called Office Hours it's at 10 o'clock it's a great show Rob and I are there I've yep. seen it Pretty hilarious. Jamie Moyer is also in it. Yep. She's uh, fantastically funny. You can catch her tonight on AP Bio. I think she's on. I think. I think. Um, And then we also have a guest, and um, we invite a couple students to Mm -hmm. play with us. And, and Rob, you have... um you also have a award-winning short film that you've written and oh, you're yeah. in called Dylan, yeah, which can be right. viewed in, on yeah. Amazon. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's okay. free on Amazon. Dylan. Do you... free. Okay. Free? Free on with Prime. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Get that Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. It's pretty good. Yeah. And what's that, what's that about? And... Ooh, don't give away too much. <sighs> it's 11 minutes, uh, but it's essentially... Look, I'm... <laughs> I'm not cool right now. I'm blowing it. You're asking me very easy questions, and they're <laughs> twisting my mind around. Uh, it's just a short film. It's a short thriller. Okay. Yeah. Kind mm-hmm. of like... Uh, well, he's great in it. He's fantastic. He wrote it. Um, it's awesome. It's great. Yeah. Watch it. Now. After this. <laughs> All right, so where can everyone follow you guys? Keep in contact. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Tim Stoltenberg. At Grandpa's Beard. No, that's it. That's it. It's Grandpa's <laughs> Beard. Drop the Grandpa's Beard. <laughs> Um, you can't, I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not, I mean, you probably want to avoid my, my Twitter. No, you're a good Twitter. You think so? Yeah. I feel like you would have really, (laughs) but like, just like a sentence, like just a sentence out of your brain, I feel like on Twitter can correlate with anything. Like someone could just take that. That's actually, you're probably gold on Twitter and you're not utilizing it. Come on, Ryan. Yeah, what's your Rob? I mean, what's your Rob? What's your Twitter? What's my Rob? What's my Rob? What's your Rob, man? Come on, come on, Brian. <laughs> Brian Morris, ADT. 
I know I look like Dennis Rader, the BTK killer. See, I think I think discomfort is really funny. Yeah. And you know what? No one I'm pays you for that. <laughs> hey, well, is that it? Thank you for having us. And, uh... yeah, all the numbers stop. Does that mean we have to go? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about comedy till the cows come home. Amen. All right, you guys. <laughs> Yasmin, where can everyone follow you? At Yasmin Tanris. And how about you, Jesse? Boom. Everywhere at DJ Jesse J. And also make sure you guys hit us up across all social media platforms at Talking TED Talks and AfterBuzz TV. Till next week. Yeah, Peace. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.